It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 642 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. I'm looking forward to talking to my guest today. Joining me on the show is Tim Brayman. Tim is Vice President of Global Accounts and Strategy at Revigy. And in this episode, Tim and I are diving into what it takes to effectively sell to large accounts. We're going to dive into why your sales process is nothing more than a promise, or why you need to think about your sales process as nothing more than a promise to deliver business value to your customer. And how you deliver that value is really key. So part of that is making sure that you have the right insights, that you possess the insights, the knowledge, and the business acumen to be relevant to the person you're speaking with. Now, whether that's a CEO, a VP, a director, or somebody in middle management, again, you have to make sure you're relevant to that person based on the business outcomes that they want to achieve. There's a lot of great information on the show today. Make sure you stick around. Check that out. If you'd like to see show notes for this episode, go to andypaul.com forward slash 642. Now, if you're a top sales performer in your current role and you're looking for a fresh challenge to take your sales career to the next level, then CenturyLink should be at the top of your list because with its recent acquisition of Level 3, the new CenturyLink is truly a world leader in providing cloud, security, real-time communications, and managed IT services. So if you want the excitement, challenge, and rewards that come from selling industry-leading services into the enterprise, then visit CenturyLink.com forward slash Accelerate. That's CenturyLink.com forward slash Accelerate and see if a career at CenturyLink could be the right step for you. Before I speak with Tim, let me remind you that if you haven't signed up to receive my periodic emails, then you are definitely missing out. I do save some of my best advice about sales for my subscribers, so visit andypaul.com right now to subscribe. All right, let's get into it. Tim, welcome to Accelerate. Thanks, Andy. Really happy to be here, man. Well, good. Well, good to, good to have you on the show. So, um, standard question I ask all my guests to start off the show. And that is, in, in your mind, what, what's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps today? Single biggest challenge? Well, first, let me put it into perspective for you before I give you the answer. Sure. My, I, love, I love context. <laughs> so, you know, this is the one thing that I, I feel is lacking, frankly, in a lot of the articles and, and books, et cetera, that I read, and that is context, right? Which is my vision when I talk about selling is always enterprise selling. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up, in, you know, I grew up in, uh, you know, a $500 million software company that sold to very large enterprise, you know, billion dollar manufacturers, major banks that. So my context or perspective is always through the lens of that complex enterprise sale. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think the, the biggest challenge facing selling today um, is one that's just, it's a creeping problem, right? So our best sellers throughout history and all the companies that I've worked with are the ones that do the best job of delivering value in the customer's eyes, right? It, they don't show up and throw up and talk about, you know, their, how cool their product is and how great the company is. They're not walking brochures, right? They're the guys or gals out there who really seek first to understand, stealing from uh, Stephen Covey and, and his book, right? And then from that perspective, once they understand what the customer's trying to do, 
Then they actually propose, here's how we can help you be successful. And, you know, the challenge today is, is that there's a lot of sellers who, you know, through sometimes through no fault of their own, through kind of company culture are very focused on here's our marketing message, you know, take this message to the market and go be successful. Well, that method is less and less effective. You know, if you don't add value, if you don't differentiate by the way you sell, Mm -hmm. you can easily be replaced by a website that sells on your behalf. And that problem, you know, as people have less and less time, they don't want to have that, you know, coffee conversation with you about let's talk about, you know, how good, how the family's doing and, you know, you're going to go sailing this summer and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's a lot more. I need you to deliver value. I need you to deliver it very quickly. And if you can't do that, I'm going to go someplace where I can get what I need quickly. And typically that's the web. And that's why, you know, you see Forrester and a lot of those companies saying, you know, thousands and thousands of B2B sellers are going to be gone within the next decade. Well, yeah, if all you do is show up with a catalog and say, let me show you my prices, you're going to be gone. Sure. Yeah. In any event, they'd be gone, right? I think the Forrester study was was overblown as these tend to be um, because you know, we're already more than halfway to their end date when they thought we we're going to lose 20% yeah. of B2B salespeople. And we haven't done that. In fact, arguably in certain sectors like your sector tech sales employment's up fairly substantially. Yep. So, you know, going back to the fundamental question, right? If, if I look at it from an enterprise perspective, mm-hmm. right, you know, people do need those, those, those sellers who can add value. You know, when you're talking at the executive level, those people don't care about your feeds and speeds. I mean, you walk in the door and start talking to a senior vice president and you're talking about your product and how cool that is. They, they're happy with that, but they don't want to talk to you. They've got people who talk feeds and speeds and product stuff. They're going to delegate you down to that person. You know, so the challenge that we face in enterprise selling today is to be relevant Mm -hmm. person based upon the business outcome they're trying to achieve and then help them see something that they haven't seen before. You know, you've got to have your eyes on the comp, their competitors and their industry, and you've got to provide them some insight into how they can get better, how they can solve some of their big, hairy problems and telling them what their competitors are doing or giving them new insights that they don't have before. That's hugely valuable. But they're also those kind of insights really hard to come by. It takes a lot of hard work. Well, sure. So in that case, do you within your organizations, you know, how do you how do you crowdsource those for the reps so that, you know, it's not up to an individual rep to through their own experience with their own customers, develop those insights, but you're actually sharing these among your team. Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, frankly, we could do a better job of it. Um, I, I think um, I think all of us could could agree to that, that there's always room for improvement. But we're looking f- at two different kinds of things. One's a low tech and one's a high tech way. Right. So we've got everybody kind of scanning the uh, the ether, if you will, for kind of cool new insights. Right. That we can find in, in industry right through you know, research studies. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of, you know, a friend of mine, Jim Dickey, um, sure. ran a company called CSO Insights. I think they did some of the best sales benchmarking work that I've ever seen before. You know, so those kinds of insights are hugely valuable. So we've got the team scanning for those. And then we, on a regular basis, we share back and forth, you know, what we've seen. And then 
on a low tech basis, you know, as we go into any major opportunity, you know, we're going to take a look at that. We're going to bring the team together and say, okay, do we have any lessons learned from selling to this customer's competitors? Right. Um, what have we learned from the sales cycle? And then what have we learned from the implementation or the post sales cycle of, of how they've used, you know, what it is that we sell. So, so both of those approaches we go, so we, we actually, the latter one, the low tech one, we actually call a strategy session. Mm-hmm. We do them twice a week, right? One of the account executives or sellers brings a, a very important deal to the table. And then we, we talk about what the business problems are that that customer has and then we talk about other people who have similar business problems and any insights or ideas that or strategies that we can bring to the table. So those are the two things that we do on a regular basis. Yeah, I, mean, I think that that's very important. I mean, that that whole sharing, especially if you've you've turned it into part of your process. You and I had a talk before we came on there about values, and and that is a way to start sharing sharing values within an organization. I mean, you have to articulate them. But one of the ways that you first, but one of the ways you make them come to life is, I believe, through that that sharing, you know, the open sharing of, and willingness to be vulnerable in front of your peers as well. <laughs> yeah, and that's key. That there, there's definitely um, you. You may achieve or receive a scar or two. Um, you know, sometimes we we call it a little bit of constructive ridicule. Um, but that's just you know kind of the fun joshing amongst the sales team. But you're absolutely right. I've, I've been at both sides of the coin where. You know, all the sellers in the organization are senior level people, you know, just get out of our way. Don't don't bother us. Don't let us sell. We're really busy. Um, You know, and I've occasionally had that mindset as well. But, you know, now that we're doing it twice a week, we allocate two hours to it. You know, that sharing, it's amazing over time. It's become, you know, a, a great bonding experience amongst the sales team because it's not about a manager or the executives um, doing an inspection, right? This is not a forecast call, right? Or, a, or truly a deal review. This is truly a strategy session about, about what do we know? What can we bring to the table? What are the best ideas we have about how we might craft a sales cycle with this particular client and some messaging? And, you know, I thought it was a good idea when we started it, but now that we've done it for, you know, nine, 10 months, I think it's a great idea and it works out really well and it's well worth the time. So you're selling to large enterprise. Do you involve marketing in those discussions? Absolutely. Um, marketing's always invited uh, to these. <laughs> well, do they come? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think there's a universal thing between sales and marketing. I know we all talk about sales and marketing alignment, but yeah, yeah, there's a, they do come. Um, and mostly they're in listen mode, right? Because they need to hear, you know, marketing is a great job does a great job of, you know, high level research and abstraction of ideas, but selling's done, you know, one company and one person at a time. Right. So to hear the real world stories, right. You know, it's about, you know, you know, marketing, they kind of abstract things into, Oh, well, there's major changes underway in this particular customer's industry and the impact of regulation and blah, 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 right. Those kinds of things. That's cool. That's important. That's context. But when you start talking about, you know, the customer talking about 
a $2 million fine that they paid for an accident related to X, Y, or Z. You know, those stories, people love stories. People learn from stories. It yeah. really snaps into focus. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, no, I think it's, it sounds a, it's a great, a great practice. And I think for people listening and thinking about their own sales teams, this is, this is, you know, a very potent piece of advice is, is to, you know, you're, you're doing it. How many, each session is it just one deal that's focused on? Well, typically one to two deals is is about the most. Right. And, and I'll give you one caveat on this, Andy. Is it, you know, it's really good to invite the senior executives it, it, if they can behave. If they can shut up, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, they need to listen because it's all about here's the real world pain that this customer is experiencing. Now, if they've got a suggestion or idea, great. You're welcome to pony it up. But, you know, what it cannot turn into, and, and what I've seen them happen at other companies, this happens, is it turns into a forecast call, right? right? It's like, oh, well, you know, well, this deal sounds like a, you know, a, a sure thing for this particular quarter, get her done. You know, <laughs> if that behavior starts coming out of management, you're going to lose the value of the conversation and the strategizing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Better that they're not even invited. Yeah. Oh, I, and we've done that before, right? Like that was, that was actually how these got started is it was just the sales team getting together. Right. And, and then gradually management said, Hey, what are you guys doing? Do you mind if we come? And you said, we said, as long as you're willing to behave, here's yeah. what we're trying to accomplish. And none of these deals are, we're going to, we're not going to talk about forecast stage or closed dates or anything like that. Yeah. Here's some duct tape to put over your mouth. <laughs> I wasn't quite that vehement, but I, I, I did make my point. <laughs> yeah. No, I, again, Points being enforced. So, you know, people listening, think about okay, how do we put this use in our business? This is a great, a great tool. I mean, you still do pipeline reviews, I'm sure, and so on. But, but you know, other than just you know going through every deal, and you know, sometimes people's eyes start rolling on that. Is is really digging deep into a couple deals, a couple times a week. Yeah, this is this is how people are learning, right? Sales is an apprenticeship. You know, how do they learn? They learn by watching and hearing what other people are doing. Yeah, and you're looking for the creativity, right? You know, exactly. Going through the forecast roll call is a cadence thing that you know operationally everybody should do, but it's you know mind-numbing, droning, right? That's that's not what this is about, right? Yeah. This is this is let's go deep, let's share, let's come up with our best creative ideas on on how we're going to acquire this particular client and make them a customer for life. And that's when if that is the objective, and you're able to stay true to that, it's 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 hugely valuable in my mind. Yeah, and I think one of the things that people get out of that is that, and this is this is sometimes controversial when I talk about this and advocate for this, but this is this is how I became successful in my career selling is is yeah I, I sold within a process, but you know I developed my own way of doing it, you know that was based on my strengths, my individual strengths and and interests and so on, and it, I you know as I spend time with the companies and. You know, talk to people on this program. Circling the sense is like, especially someone in the tech space, and where people also maybe people have you know new to inside sales and so on. Is we're so devoted to our process, that we're trying to sort of squelch individuality. You know, it's like we we prize conformity above all else, <laughs> and and that's not good. It is you know, as I tell people, what's what's the one thing in common between all top performers? I'd ask you that question. I, I'll, I'll give you my answer after I ask you. What's the one thing all top performers have in, in common? <laughs> well, I haven't, you know, I'm sure there's a dozen research well, studies. Yeah, but, well, 
I would suggest that it's kind of, you know, the philosophy we talked about at the beginning, right? You put the customer first. That's one. But I'll go a step further. Yeah. They all break the rules. Go ahead. They all break the rules. I hadn't hadn't thought about that, but now that you say it, that's pretty true. So, you know, we, as managers, oftentimes we're stressing conformity. We've got this process, and this is our stage, you know, exit, our stage exit criteria, blah, 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 blah. And that's like, well, yeah, but look at, look at, look at Jennifer over there, who's killing it. Yeah, you got like a different standard for her. You know, you're not as hard on her as you are. It's like, yeah, she she broke the rules. She got away with it because she succeeded and broke the rules. And it's like we have to. I think you're doing this to some degree. It sounds like with your reviews, you're giving license to people to be creative and break the rules a little bit. Yeah, and I I agree. There there is. Uh... I'm not a big fan of, of cookie cutter, you know, th- this is a, what the ideal salesperson looks like and they have exactly these skills, you know, exactly what you spoke to. You, you've got to leverage, you know, what you do really well a- and in selling, right? So, yeah, I mean, I- I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to admit this, but, you know, one of the things oh, that I learned early on, yeah, really, early on in my sales cycle is, is uh, the management, and I was actually doing software implementations and consulting, right? So I'd go mm-hmm. into a customer and talk to them about their business process and what they're trying to accomplish, and then I'd guide them in, you know, two things. Number one, here's how to improve the process, and number two, here's how our software is going to help you do that, right? And management was really pushing me to move into sales, and, you know, I had this kind of hesitancy, you know, because there sure. was this, oh, I'm going to become a quote-unquote sales guy. Mm. Uh, and I had a, you know, and I had an epiphany when I went to our sales kickoff. And the CEO of the software company I worked for was a guy by the name of John Imlay, who was an amazing mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book um, called Jungle Rules, which I don't think it's in print anymore, but it, it's a fabulous book on selling. And so John... We're, we're in an auditorium, right? The, the Fox Theater. And John's up on stage, and he's quite a showman. But he, he says to everybody there, and it's everybody in the entire company. There's 500 people in this auditorium. And he raises his hand, and he says, who here – you know, we just had a great year. Who here in this audience is in sales? And, you know, maybe you know, 20% of the people in the audience, they raise their hands. You know, these are all the salespeople and the pre-sales people, et cetera. And John looked around at them, and he says – you know, from up here, that's not what I see. He said, I think you've got a decision to make every single day you walk in the door that you either sell your company or you unsell your company. And so, you know, I want to know who in here is in sales. And of course, you know, John's a great, you know, great salesman and everybody raised their hand. And that was the mentality that, that he brought to the table is that really it, it's not about being a salesy person or a sales persona or the person with the gift of gab, it's the fact that you're selling the value of your company in everything that you do. Well, and absolutely. I mean, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm, I've always felt that at the beginning, it's, I sort of did not fit the prototype for, for salespeople, uh, you know, more yeah. introverted, uh, so on and so forth. So, so a question that raises though is, is, yeah, yeah. is, same point. I, I am definitely not the life of the party, right? You know, <laughs> you know, if, if you put me in my, my wife, you know, she's the life of the party. Anytime we go out, you know, with, with friends to, yes. to partners, me, I'm the guy I'll, you know, if you got a topic, I'll listen or I'll talk and opine, but I'm, I'm not, that's not me. 
Yeah, you're not initiating the conversation. And and so, um, you know, just listening to you talk about that is is this last little bit is is it seems like one of the issues that we still confront in general in sales is this idea that the prototype for what people want to hire seems very obsolete, right? Is is you look at job descriptions and even for companies that should know better, you know, job descriptions are still these sort of macho oriented, you know, posting for a sales position. We need a hunter, a closer, an aggressive extrovert, blah, 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 blah. And to your point you're making earlier, is, yeah, that's not what the customers want. Customers want a empathetic problem solver. Yeah. And, and so how do we, how do we bridge that gap? I mean, how do we, how do we put this, this old fashioned crap behind us? And get people focused on hiring people who can help the customers navigate their buying process more quickly and make the decision. Yeah, there's a <laughs> I tweeted one time, you know, about uh, one of the guys that, that I hired um, that, you know, this guy is absolutely he's got the gift of gab. He is spectacular in a conversation. Doesn't seem to sell much. Mm. And you know, great resume, you know, all those, all those things, you know, sales club forever and ever. But one of the things that we don't look at a lot is, you know, at the, at the cornerstone of, of, I think really good salespeople is a natural curiosity, right? A genuine desire to understand and look and to learn. And you know, I personally am on a lifelong journey of learning. I, I will right. never be the end of the game. I can always learn something new. Mm-hmm. I can learn something new about the industry. I can learn something new sure. about you know, problems that they're facing, you know, roles, what they're trying to accomplish, you know, pressures in their interest, whatever the case may be. And I think that natural curiosity is one of those things that we should really consider um, as a cornerstone to everything we're looking for in a profile, right? I'm a much bigger fan of hiring people, you know, who understand problems, right? As opposed to people who have done a really great job, you know, uh, of, you know, X, Y, or Z skills in the past. Right. Cause it's, you know, a lot of times people, people are looking for problem solvers. Oh, I think, I think at least in the, the complex enterprise sale, like you sell, that's, that's almost only what they're looking for. I mean, it's, it's yeah. the people, the buyers for the most part, it's not universal, but I mean, the, for the most part are self-aware enough to know that there's value in the salesperson. Yeah. Right, that if they get the right salesperson and give them the right value, their odds of succeeding themselves go up. Yeah, I mean the biggest differentiation, you know, as as one of my managers used to say, is is the way you sell. Yeah. And I see, and there's two things going on, right? So there is demand that you react to, right? The customer hits your website, they they call up and ask for help. They say we've got an evaluation underway, right? So that's level one problem solving, you know, get in there and really understand what's going on with them and how you can craft a compelling, you know, unique value proposition and be successful. You know, that next step up beyond that is to question what's going on in the industry and come up with some ideas on how to help people solve problems that they may not even know that they have or risk that they don't know that they have. Right. Create demand from that conversation. Right. So, so those are the two kinds of things at the enterprise level selling that I think about, you know, selling to big companies, right. Is, is, are you reacting to demand or are you trying to create demand? And even if you're reacting, once you're in the door, you don't start creating. 
Yeah. You know, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of, you know, try, you know, the, the customer, um, is not always right, but they are always the customer. So you've got to come up with, or the prospect, right? So you've got to understand what they're trying to accomplish and they probably have some preconceived notions Mm -hmm. and you're the expert in whatever solution, you know, problem you solve and solution you provide. So they may be missing things and your job up front, if you're reacting is to explore with them, you know, and help them understand the size of the problem. And I almost call it coaching, right? You know, know, sales coaching, you know, I always told people was not telling them what they were doing wrong, but it was asking them questions until they realized what they were doing wrong. Sure. Right. That's, that's, and so I think that's, 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 that's therapy. That's like, <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's like, I, I equate that all the time. It's like it's that way, Eddie, but okay, man. Well, it is. I mean, it's, it's, you know, if you see a good therapist and you know, you're depressed, <laughs> you might want them to tell you why you're depressed, but you know, instead they're going to, or you have a problem in your marriage or they're going to, they're going to steer you through questions to the point where you figure it out. Oh, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but because the context I came from is I think that's a really good way of doing sales coaching, but it's also a great way of engaging in, in the reacting to demand phase, right? Because sure. you've got to be willing to say to the, and, and here's the hardest thing in sales, right? You got to be willing to go to the customer and say, I don't think you're going to be successful in the path you're going. And here's why, if you can't get them to recognize the additional criteria or elements that should be included or, you know, in terms of changing the game. And you got to be willing to potentially walk away and not in a mean way or a dismissive way or a diminishing way for the prospect, but just say, you know, successful customers, right, are worth far more to me than just acquiring a customer. And we're at risk of if I acquire you as a customer of you not being successful. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't. I personally can't take that risk of you not being successful. And so if, if we can't change the rules, I'm going to have to, you know, not decline to participate. Thank you for the offer. And that's really hard for people. I mean, because, you know, you got a lead and it's a good lead and they're asking for all the stuff that you do with your software or your product or your service or what have you. And you're salivating. Oh, this is right up our sweet spot. But you got to refrain from going down that path because that's the path to looking like everybody else. Yeah. I, I think I've told the story on the show before, but it, I had a, a boss who was really good at that and early in my career. And, and we flew from the Bay area out to Chicago one day to meet with this client and we we're going to be closing a, a big deal. It was a big deal for me, certainly. Um, and not closing a material. It was the final meeting before they made the decision and just wasn't tracking the way that it should have. Right. And there, <laughs> and my boss at one point just said, well, you know, thank you. I think, I think this isn't a fit. And I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, your heart was going pitter patter at that yeah. point. And, and he says, cause you know, we're, we are, want to work with companies that are really serious about fixing this problem. And it just seems like you're not serious about that. And that's okay. But that's not who we want to work with. And he got up and walked out of the room. (laughs) And after you picked your jaw up off the floor, then what happened? They called him back. Yep. And that's, and that's okay. If you do it correctly. 
and then people say, "Oh, this is a technique. You're manipulating." You're not, not manipulating. You're just you're just being serious with him. I mean, he was gone. I mean, he wasn't. I mean, he knew the impact. Obviously, he wasn't you know oblivious to the fact that that it served creating an ultimatum with them. But but that's what it took, and that was okay. It was done yeah. respectfully, and but they were shocked by it because you know they thought, "Oh, I thought maybe we were serious." You know, I have um, I have a similar story if we we have time sure, for it. Sure, that looks, at it, that looks at it from a slightly different perspective, right? Which is, you know, it's about delip. You know, in in the fundamental analysis, your sales process is a promise to deliver business value to the customer, which was a lot of what the story you were talking about is. is you know, you've got a business value if they're not interested in it. Let's part ways. Mm-hmm. And so I was working with a customer, and they just closed. Um, a multi, multi million dollar deal um, with this customer in Mexico. And so one of the senior executives was flying in. He was going to meet with the local sales manager. They were going to ride around that day, meet four or five clients. Uh, they were going to walk in and pick up the contract from this, this multi million dollar contract from the customer's procurement office and you know, shake their hands and say, thank you very much and, and walk out the door. Right. Because, hey, the deal's closed. We grab the paperwork. You know, we're going to throw it over the wall to the people who, who do the hard work and make it stick. And so they showed up at the front door at the, the appointed time and they were escorted into the boardroom. And on the table in the boardroom were a handful of crystal goblets and a bottle of champagne. So while they thought the the selling group, the the software company, that they were you know just showing up to say thank you and pick up the contract and you know they were done, the customer that they just acquired looked at it as the beginning of the journey mm-hmm. and wanted to celebrate the beginning of that journey, right? And so there was that fundamental misalignment, right, at that instance where the sellers say like, "Hey, contract signed, we're done." Customers looking at it, "Hey, contract signed." We're starting. And so, you know, that's why that's where I've always come back to on that whole side of, you know, it's a promise to deliver business value and nobody gets any business value until after the deal's done. Well, until it's implemented <laughs> and they're receiving the business value. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah no, that boy, that that's one other 30 minutes we can spend on that whole topic about. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, how you how you handle your customers in the transition from them saying, yes, we want to do business with you to them actually starting to do business with you. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a whole thing. I coach senior people in terms of what I call the most important sales call, which is the first call you make after the customer tells you they want to do business with you or they've given you a contract. Yeah. Big, and, big misalignment in a lot of companies around that. And it freaks people out when you talk about it because what I recommend is, is, and I've always done this is, you know, you figure, look at from you again through your buyer's eyes. If, if you've gone through a competitive selling situation where they may have had, you know, two, three, four vendors, whatever, when they make their decision in their mind, what they're buying is the best of the three or four vendors that they've spoken with. You know, they've gotten, they've conflated, you know, what they're getting from you versus somebody else and so on. And so you have to sort of reset the stage in a large enterprise deal, complex system you've got to reset the stage in terms of recalibrating their expectations of what their requirements were, what they wanted to buy, what they ended up buying, what you're delivering. Yep. And if you don't do that, when you start delivering, they're going to say, well, what about this? I thought we bought this. 
And it's like, well, no, that was from, you know, company XYZ. They do that, but that's not what we do. <laughs> yeah. And this happens a lot. And so, oh, yeah. If you listen, oh, yeah. That, really that's, gotta, that's... You got to think about that. As you got selling something complex, you got to make sure they really understand what, what, what it is they're actually, actually investing in. Yeah. And, and you know, all you're very familiar with your products or services or solution, right? They've looked at four vendors. They're all kind of running together. Yeah. So, so yeah, you, you got some expectations. Set. I'll give you a tactic, though, sure. that I think everybody should do that, that will, if you follow this particular tactic, and it's just a quickie little tactic, um, it'll open your eyes. And that is after somebody buys your solution, very quickly after that, you know, of course, call them to say thank you very much. Ask them why they bought from you. Mm-hmm. That can be a really eye-opening conversation. Yeah, well, I think, and that's part of what I talk about in in that, what I call the most important sales call is, is yeah, you you review with them why they decide to buy from you. And yeah, you learn things. If they say, well, no, that's not why. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, because oftentimes you're wrong as a salesperson. You know, we talk about people do loss analyses and loss deal analyses. Yeah, I've always been on the side of thinking, yeah, that has some value, but Analyzing why you won, so that you can go back and try to replicate that and repeat that, much more valuable. Oh yeah, agreed. All right. Well, Tim, unfortunately, we've run out of time. We could go on forever, and, and we actually didn't touch on any things that I'd set up to talk about today. But it was a good, it was a good conversation, nonetheless. Okay. So we'll schedule, another, we'll schedule another one and get to your questions the next time around. Yeah, yeah, and we'll give you a chance to talk about Refugee and what you guys do because you guys have a very interesting platform. So, but before you go, let's tell people how they can contact you and, and learn more about, <laughs> learn something about Revagee. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you know, just, you know, so I'll, I'll give you the 60 second pitch and then we'll wrap it sure. up. Right. So Revagee is a, is a software company, right? Cloud-based software company. And we were founded 10 years ago based on this idea of, you know, we worked with some of the sales methodology, sales training vendors who were selling, you know, their method into the marketplace. And what they would leave behind would be PowerPoint and Excel and Word. And there was really no way to bring the method or process to life, you know, in a piece of Mm -hmm. uh, software, right? Instead, you gave them PowerPoints and Excel files. And so that was what Revigy was designed to do is for those people who are doing complex strategic selling or strategic account planning is, is we wanted to build a technology solution that facilitated, you know, team-based collaboration and execution for companies that do strategic selling and strategic account planning. And that's, that's what we're all about. We, we bring your method to life, if you will. Yeah. And think, you yeah, can find out about us at www.revegy.com. Yeah. And I think if you're in the selling complex systems to enterprise, um, yeah, you want to check it out because it's, you know, the, some of the visualization tools and so on are, are tools that years and years ago I would have killed for. Um, and so all right well good um so tim thank you and like i said we will we will get you back on the show and and uh, talk more about sales execution uh but this is a great conversation thank you friends as always thank you for for joining me look forward to joining me next time on the next great episode of accelerate until then good selling everyone 